this morning, we want to go to Exodus chapter number 3. Exodus chapter number 3. And the Bible says in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight, why this bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place where thou standest is holy ground. This morning, I want to kind of rehash the message that we went over on Sunday insights about God's will. You know, first of all, we don't know everything about God's will for our lives. God doesn't lay out step by step by step. It's a matter of faith. It's a matter of gaining wisdom. It's a matter of living in the fear of God. It's a matter of worship every day, a mindset of a servant, a slave that has been purchased and not my will being done, but your will being done. And all of that under the leadership and the guidance and the empowerment and the dwelling of the Holy Spirit of God that we as New Testament believers, that advantage, great advantage that we have. But all of that being said, there are some basic things that we can take away even from Moses' life here in in Exodus chapter 3. And I want to give you those this morning. The first one we looked at was God's will is for you to leave your old life. Uh, Pharaoh heard this thing back in chapter 2, verse 15, that Moses had killed one of his servants, one of his workers, one of the taskmasters that was overlooking the work of slavery uh, over the Hebrew people. And he sought to slay Moses, the Bible says. And Moses ran, fled from the face of Pharaoh, and he went and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Uh, And so Moses has left everything behind. He leaves behind friends, family, fame, fortune, everything familiar, and even seemingly probably in his mind as he is walking off into that desert, even his future. What have I done? probably thinking in his mind. Moses had made a powerful decision to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to be called, as Hebrews says, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused, the Bible says, to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, uh, but rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. But Moses' own understanding, his own credentials, and thought-out plan and results of his own noble choices, many, many noble choices, besides the murdering of the Egyptian, would not lead him to the immediate victory and glory that he thought it would. It left him with nothing for 40 years. You see, God leads us away from our old life. I know even in my own own life that I can look back and see where God separated me. God, God brought a division between who I was and who God would make me into being. And I'm not anywhere near being perfect But I can definitely see that take place at different points in my life. We talked about the illustration of uh, transferring colleges. When I was in college, I I transferred from my freshman year to my sophomore year to take the rest of my classes. I was worried some of those classes would not transfer, but luckily, uh, thank God that all of them did. But you got to understand this. Everything from your old life 
None of those classes, though it is not in vain and though it is not a waste, God definitely uses uh, even the, the bad that took place in your life. God can take all of that rather than you getting bitter over it and, and, and feeling sorry for yourself and having a victim mentality over it. God can use all of that as a servant of his to make you a blessing and to bring greater glory and honor to his name in this world. But that being said, God has a full curriculum of classes that you will take as a New Testament Christian. When you get saved, you basically enroll in the, in the school of Christ. We start over as babes. Remember the Bible says that, behold, all things have passed away, all things have become new. We're babes in Christ and we're to grow up now from, from babes to, to, to children, to teens, to adults, to mature uh, Christians, uh, men and women of God that know the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and so that is what God is doing in the life of Moses. Moses is learning to set his affections on things above, not on the things of this world. God's will is for you to leave your old life and it's for you to live an odd life. Remember, um, God separated Moses from Egypt, but God also gave him a very odd, awkward, low job in the desert. What was it? Shepherding. And the Bible tells us that this was an abomination to the culture that he grew up in in Egypt. I mean, what a future Moses had uh, back in Egypt. Prince of Egypt, probably leading the armies of Egypt, living in the palace, having the, the best education. The Bible says that he was trained. He was learning all the wisdom of Egypt. He, had, he, he, he ate with a silver spoon. Moses had the best of everything. Now Moses is on the backside of the desert as a shepherd. And he's taking a class called Killing Pride 101. We laughingly said that God had enrolled him in the unaccredited Midian School of Shepherding. And his instructor's name, funny enough, is Jethro, uh, which is his father-in-law. As a matter of fact, the man that once thought, how can these people not follow me seeing who I am? It, 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 the Bible kind of leads us to think that, that Moses, because of his position, and, and, and having been raised by Amram and Jochebed, his, 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 his Hebrew parents, and having learned about the culture of the Jewish people, I think he, he knew that, that there was a special purpose for his life, that it wasn't by accident that he was in the position he was. And so he looked at all the resources he had, all the credentials he had, the power and the, the popularity that he had, and he said, I'm the man, I'm the hero in the story. But God strips all of that away from him all of his self-confidence, all of his credentials, everything that he had, and took that away from him. He took away his popularity, he took him away from his people, he took him away from his prestige, and even the prime of his life. Moses would spend the next 40 years of his life, he was approximately 40 when he left Egypt, he would spend the next 40 years, which would be the, the most, in our mind, maybe the most productive years of his life, the best years of his life, the years that he could really do something now that he's grown, he's got his education, and he's, he's settled and established, he would learn humility, hard work, and holiness as a shepherd on the back, back side of the desert. In other words, Moses could see how God could have used him back in Egypt with all of the platform that he had. But now God had stripped all that away, and there was, in Moses' mind, God, I can't do this anymore. I have no idea how you're going to uh, deliver these people. 
What am I going to do about it? I'm just a shepherd. I'm an abomination in the sight of these people. God had Moses live an odd life. He was training him. Moses, in other words, had to get to know and trust God, the God of his people, before he would ever be trusted or be ready to lead God's people. There were some real difficult situations in the future Moses obviously didn't know about. In the future, these same people would want to stone Moses. They would be bitter at Moses for leading them out of the slavery of Egypt to let them starve out in the desert is what they thought, complaining against, murmuring against God. Moses would sit down from morning to evening at times listening to the problems of people. Moses had to get to know God. There was no way in the future he would be able to do this without knowing God. If he went in his own strength, he would have failed. He would have given up a long time ago. Many times we want to shortcut God. We want the easy road to glory. We want to get in first place, in the prestigious place, in the leading place. But God knows for his servants, it's a must that they go into the school of Christ. They learn to know and trust and get to, to, into fellowship and strong relationship with God. Moses went from the highest pinnacle of life to the lowest point. Forty years of being nobody on the backside of the desert. But it was during this time that God was laying the foundation of the Moses that Numbers 12.3 speaks of when it says, Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. You see, Moses went from having a big head back in Egypt to having a big heart and knowing the Lord. And the Bible says in Proverbs 22.4, By humility and fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Honor is not a bad thing when it's given through the channel of humility. It's a terrible thing when it's sought in and of itself. God must give it to you. And you must seek God first. And all those things that God has even put in our hearts that are not necessarily bad, God will add those things as He wants to. But, but the, the direction of our life, the preeminence in our heart, has to be God in our life. The world looked at Moses and said, man, you really messed up. Your life is a mess. You are such a waste, a wasted life. And this is the kind of life that breaks you down before it builds you up. That's what God does with his servants. If you think bungee jumping is an adrenaline rush, then you need to experience trusting God through the storms of life. Wow, it's incredible. God always stays with his people. But the third thing I want you to see is not only is it God's will for you to leave your old life, God's will for you to live an odd life, but God's will is for us to listen to the only life. And that's why I want to talk about this today. After I preached this message, a gentleman in the church asked me if I'd please not skip over this, but, but speak to this point uh, alone on a Sunday. And so here we are this morning. When the Lord, verse 4, and when the Lord saw that he had turned aside, to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here am I. Notice where God speaks to Moses. God talks to Moses not in the palace, not in the university, not in the, in the, the crowded uh, halls of Egypt, but in a place of solitude. The Bible says in the back side of the desert, the back of the wilderness, and came to the mountain of God unto Horeb. And apparently this was a, a two-peaked mountain, a mountain with two peaks, one called Horeb, the other called Sinai. You know that place where Moses uh, got those, that, that familiar, that popular thing called the Ten Commandments. 
The most important discipline, let me tell you this this morning, friend. The most important discipline in the Christian life is cultivating a private relationship with God. Kevin, how do you, how do you make it day to day? How, how, do you, how do you handle life? Well, friend, I can't on my own. I have no idea how people do it without God. God is not my crutch. God is my God. I, I can't live life without Him. God is everything to me. I commune with my God each and every day. I confess sin to God. I, I ask for wisdom from God. I, 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 I talk things out with God. I try to be transparent with God because I already know He knows what's in my heart and mind. And so I just, I just verbally lay out the cards on the table with Him and say, God, if I'm wrong or if I'm right, God, help me to make the right decisions. Help me to say the right things. Help me to choose the right path in all these different areas. God is God. He is, God is good. And I don't have to fear being honest with Him. I don't have to fear that He's going to lead me down the wrong, wrong path. And so I want to be open and honest with Him. I understand now that the most important relationship in my life, the most important relationship in my life is my relationship with God. And God meets with us in solitude. God meets with us personally. God meets with us alone as he did with Moses. There is no Moses without the backside of the desert experience. It wasn't in the wisdom of Egypt, in the palace, upon the throne, in the hustle and bustle, but in the quiet desert land that he met with God. In Egypt, he had worldly wise men. He had the king talking to him. In the desert, God was the only voice. Friend, you have to learn to get alone with God. Throughout the day, in your office, on the taxi, in the classroom, in the halls, in your bedroom, in your house, all along the way. The Bible says this in the New Testament, pray without ceasing. As Nehemiah went before the king to ask, uh, to, to ask to be able to go back and to help his people, he was praying to God at the same time he went before the king. That's, that's praying without ceasing, friend. Uh, throughout life, you're, you're, you have a friend that sticks closer than, the, than a brother. And that is the Holy Spirit of God within you. That is Christ who says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And that is the Father in heaven that the Bible says that we can go boldly unto his throne. You need to cultivate that relationship. It was the private conversations with God that gave Moses the confidence and the strength to go to Pharaoh and to lead Israel. Not once off, but a continual relationship and fellowship and friendship with God. You see Moses throughout the book of Exodus communing with God, talking with God. He was a friend of God. In Proverbs 14, 26, I shared this verse with you uh, last week or the week before. I know we did it on Wednesday night Bible study, but it says this. Listen, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence and his children shall have a place of refuge. Friend, do you want strong confidence? It doesn't come from having the best makeup. It doesn't come from having the best clothes. It doesn't come from uh, getting a better paycheck. It doesn't come from having a nicer house or driving a nicer car. It comes from you are designed to have a relationship with God. Someone has said that there is a God-shaped hole in your heart. And that is not just filled when you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But as an ongoing relationship, the God of heaven is designed to be the center of your life. You are not on track. You are not uh, headed in the right direction. You are not living life 
with the right balance until Jesus means everything to you. That you have a fear of God, a reverence that is uncomparable. That there is nothing else in your life that, that competes, that is, that is even close to the allegiance and the loyalty and the love that you have for God. And you, through that, God gives you a strong confidence. You are not snared. You are not trapped by a fear of man. Oh, what are people going to think? Oh, what, what, I'll look like a fool. Oh, what are they going to say? Oh, what are they going to do to me? No, 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 no. You trust God. You are obedient to God. And God help us. God help us to get to the place and point where we are courageous for God. That we are completely trusting in Him for, for guidance and strength. God help us to have that because that is where real strong confidence comes from. The Bible says that even our children are blessed by it because they shall have a place of refuge. It doesn't help mom and dad uh, or it doesn't help the children when mom and dad, the moment that, that, that some trial comes into your life, that we get all worked up, we begin to cry and weep and stress and anxiety and bend out of shape because we have not learned a fear of God. Moses learned a fear of God. He was able to lead the people of God. He was able to go into the palace and talk to Pharaoh and give him commands from God because he had learned a fear of God. You really want to start getting grounded and growing and even going. It's not a new idea. You must set aside time to read God's word. Let him by the illumination, that is the understanding and the valuing and the grasping and the loving of the written word of God, that the Holy Spirit of God within you enables you to do. You can take your art courses at the university, but you take your divinity, your theology courses in solitude from God. But I want you to notice how God speaks to Moses this morning. I'm going to hurry. God calls unto Moses, number one. God calls unto Moses. God comes for Moses. And friend, you got to understand this this morning, that, that sinners do not seek God. They run from God, but God seeks sinners. And many times he does this through preachers. He does this through Christians. He does this through churches. We go out in the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. We go and preach the gospel to rebels. Tell them, you need to repent because the king is coming and you can meet him as savior having repented and, 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 and acknowledged your own guilt and asked for forgiveness through Jesus Christ, his grace and mercy, or you can meet him as king and judge and be eternally punished by him. God calls unto Moses. Moses had done an, 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 un, an, an impossible thing, and that was to attempt to serve God without truly knowing God. Romans 3 describes every man's state before God. Moses was included in this. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. No one. No one is born seeking after God. God seeks after sinners. They are all gone out of their own, out of the way. They are altogether become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. In the way of peace, they have not known. So, friend, you got to understand, first of all, that men in this world, every one of us, are born in Adam. We're rebels, the Bible says. We're criminals in the eyes of God. We're not following after God. We're not seeking after God. We don't know the peace of God. We are enemies of God, under the wrath of God, going our own re rebellious ways. God calls after us. Can you remember when God called after you?
Can you remember when you heard the gospel and you were brought under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and you realized in your heart that you were a sinner and that you needed Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you called out to Him in faith and repentance and God saved your soul. Do you remember that day? You need to. You must respond when God calls you. We don't come to God on our own times and on our own terms. We come to God when He is calling and when He is convicting us. Secondly, God convicts Moses. He says in verse 5, Draw not nigh, nither, nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. The dust and the dirt on Moses' shoes had to come off. In other words, sin is not tolerated. Dirt is not tolerated. Removing the shoes was a necessary acknowledgement of personal defilement and unworthiness in the presence of not a little bit, but absolute perfect holiness. This is a foundational lesson for Moses and for us to learn. Moses had to understand something critical about God, that he is holy and clean and that man is sinful and dirty. And this is the statement that God is making here. Let me just stop here and remind you that although you are not going to have a burning bush experience, you can experience a burning heart each and every day as you meet with God privately for prayer and Bible study. Get rid of the sin. It's a time of confession, not to be re-saved again. God has once and for all forgiven all your sins. But as fellowship with my Heavenly Father, uh, I go to Him confessing my sin. As, as I would expect my own sons, I'm not going to kick them out of the family when they come to me and tell me they've done wrong. That pleases me. I love it when my children are honest about their sin, not when they try to cover it. I'll forgive it when they come to me and they, they open up about it and they're, they, they, they admit their guilt. But when they cover it up, then there's a problem. And so we come to him in, in communion and, 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 and admit it, admitting our sin. In 2 Timothy 3.16, the Bible says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, that is sound, balanced understanding of God's word, for reproof, that is conviction of what is wrong in our lives, and for correction, straightening up again, God putting us back on the right path, turning us around, uh, getting us back headed in the right direction for instruction in righteousness. That is, that is a tutor. That is a tutorage, an ongoing help. That's the word of God being preached to you and, and you reading it in your devotions. It's a constant correction in your life. And friend, if you think you need that once a week on a Sunday morning, you are highly mistaken. You cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You need an ongoing uh, everyday relationship with God. The church is here to supplement and to add to what you are putting into your life on a daily basis from God's Word and private fellowship with Him, the conviction that God's Word brings. And the Bible says this in 2 Timothy 3.17, that the man of God may be perfect, that is mature, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. God wants to mature you, make you like Christ, and furnish you not just so that you can have a big head and that you can know all these theological themes, things and answer everybody's Bible questions, but that you would be prepared, furnished, ready as a soldier to go to war, uh, as a disciple to follow Christ each and every day, to be a shining witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thirdly, God confronts Moses. He tells him he is the God of Moses. He tells him he is the God of, uh, uh, of Moses' relatives, rather. Of, of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses, what the Bible says, was afraid to look upon him. God informs Moses that he is, 
He is the, the, the God of his fathers. Moses had to come to know the God of his fathers for the God of his fathers to truly be his God. Uh, no one is born a Christian simply because their parents were. For any of us to truly be Christian, we must come to know God personally and that through Jesus Christ. Do you know him this morning? And then we see God correcting Moses. He teaches him an important lesson. That is, God is far more concerned about his people than Moses was. In verse 7, I love this. Lord God said, I have surely seen. I have surely seen. Remember that Moses had gone out and seen the burden of his people back in 2, Exodus 2.11. But God had surely seen the affliction, what they were going through, of his people, of my people, the Bible says, who they really, really belonged to which are in Egypt, where they were. God knew exactly where they were and heard their cry. God knew the cries of his people. In each and every one of those homes, God knew their heartbreak under the, the hard taskmasters of Egypt. By reason of their taskmasters, their enemy. He said, and it ends, for I know their sorrows. God knows the needs. God knows the hurts. God knows the burdens. God knows the heartbreaks of his people far better than we do. God knows and cares more than we do. And this is super comforting as you seek to minister and to live your Christian life in a hurting world around hurting people. That God is going above and beyond what you are ever going to be capable of doing. And as you go out and do the work of the Lord, and as you seek to minister and show the love of God and be the good Samaritan to other people, know that the little band-aid, know that the little bit of money, know that the little bit of love, know that the little, uh, little good that you're able to do as a human being, God takes that and waters it and gives increase to it. An increase that, that a, an omnipotent God can do multiplies it, makes it something incredible. Uh, that, that you never imagined you would be able to do because he cares far more than we do and knows far more than we do. He takes our puny, pathetic efforts and miraculously multiplies them. Then we see God communes with Moses. Moses asks, what is your name? And we have to learn to hear from God, right? Moses did not even know God's name. And, and, and as it's told a story, a, a doctor was making his rounds one time in a mental hospital. And he came to a man and he asked his name. He said, he said what is your name? And the, Mo, the man said, Moses. And the doc asked, who in the world said your name is Moses? And the man said, God did. And then a, a voice, a, a patient from across the room yelled out, said, no, I didn't. There are many hearing voices today, right? And, and, and saying God spoke this to them. God said this to them. But, but you and I have to make sure that we're hearing the word of God. Uh, that, that, that anything that we feel prompted to do is in accordance with uh, the word of God being rightly interpreted. We have to learn to know God. And the way that God is ordained that we would know him is through prayer is through our local church and is through that most importantly personal relationship with him and the reading of his complete word the bible's revelation it's his completed revelation what does that mean it basically means that's what god wants to reveal to us and everybody goes looking for something some mystery and and dreams and and another voice something unusual but God has given us his book 
and there's so much in there. You can spend the rest of your life digging and learning and, 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 and trying to, to get to know God from the scriptures and you will never hit bottom. You will continue to learn from the Lord. And so God communes with Moses. Moses begins to know God. And God tells Moses, I know these men are dead, talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but I am still their God. And this is my eternal name. I am, I am the God of your fathers. We have to learn to listen to God. He's not screaming at us. It is the still small voice of his word. Moses began communing with God here and would continue doing so till the end of his life. And that is what we have got to do in our Christian lives. There's so much that we cannot handle in this life and so much that we will fail at and miss out at, miss out on if we do not get this discipline down of communing with God. And then we see God commanding Moses, come now therefore, in verse 10, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayst bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. You see, God doesn't just fill our heads, but those that are truly called by him and communing with him will follow through with obedience to his commands. God makes disciples, not fans. Friend, if you truly know God, if you're really communing with him, if you're really talking to him, if he's really convicting you, you really have a strong relationship with God, there's, you're going to be obeying him. You're going to be serving him. You're going to be a witness for him. You're going to be giving to him. You're going to be worshiping him. Every day of your life, you're going to see yourself as a servant of Jesus Christ, living for him. God, here am I. What do you want me to do? Oh, God. God commands Moses and God commands his Christians that walk with him, that hear his voice. He says, my sheep hear my voice. Are you hearing God's voice? Are you listening to his word? Are you obeying him? Then we see God comfort Moses. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 11, it says, And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go into Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? This is a stark contrast to the Moses we see previously. The, 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 the Moses that was in Egypt. He could see exactly how I can deliver these people. Remember, he kind of had that hero mentality. I can do this. And in verse 12, God tells him, and, he, and God said, Certainly I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou goest, when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. Moses had lost all confidence in himself. And that is a good thing. For it, it made a clear path for him to learn to have complete confidence in God. He gives Moses, God gives Moses the promise of his presence. Certainly I'll be with you. And that is exactly what Jesus has promised us in the New Testament. He said, I must go away so that the Comforter will come, will be sent. The Holy Spirit will be sent. And, and each Christian today, you have the Holy Spirit of God living in you. And he abides within you. And, and you just simply need to ask him to lead in your life and give him the keys to your heart. Give him the, 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 the reins to your heart. Uh, God has promised to be with you. Jesus' last words in the, in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, he promises to be with us till the ends of the earth. And he gives Moses the promise of future service that he would serve God on that mountain. Remember that Moses and the children of Israel uh, needed was not just freedom from slavery in Egypt uh, to be free to do what they wanted, but freedom from Pharaoh to serve the living God. 
And friend, you don't just need liberty this morning. You don't need to just be set free from your problems, but you need to realize that you need to be under the yoke. You need to be under the King, Jesus Christ. He is a good king. He is a he is a loving king. And his will, when you get involved in doing his will, you're doing what you were cr- created and designed to do. So you don't need, just need to buy into this thing of, I need freedom. I need, I need freedom to be me. I need to, to be able to do whatever I want. No, that's a terrible thing. That's the devil tricking you. You need to be set free to serve the living God. And that's what God saves Christians to be able to do, to serve him. We've been set free from the bondage of sin And now we are able, as the sons of God and the daughters of God, to be able to serve the living God. God wants us this morning to learn to listen to the only life, Him. And when He calls and convicts and confronts and corrects and communes and commands and comforts us, that is God talking to us. We need to learn to hear His voice. And listen to this as I close. As we leave the old life and live the odd life, The voice of the only life becomes louder and sweeter to our ears and to our hearts. I can't tell you everything about the will of God, but I can tell you those three things. It is the will of God for you to leave your old life. It is the will of God for you to be an oddball in this life, to live the odd life. People are going to think it's strange that you do not run with them as you did before and do the things you used to do and live the kind of life, the earthly life. But your affections, your hearts are set on something out of this world. You're living and looking for a new heavens and a new earth and looking for Jesus Christ to return. And he wants you to listen to the only life. You have someone speaking to you each and every day that wants your ear, that wants your heart, and is the living God in and through his word and through his church and through the avenue and the the privilege of prayer. Friend, that is the will of God concerning your life. Amen.